Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. Roger Abel here with Elias. This is our 130th episode, and we're back to March Madness again, Eli. It's my favorite time of year. Unfortunately, Hawkeyes got knocked out of the Big Ten championship yesterday, or the big, not championship, but the Big Ten tournament in the first round, which, you know, truth be told, kind of sums up the last few years of Hawkeye basketball. We get all excited, and then we somehow don't don't make it out of a round or two in the NCAA tournament. So hmm. I haven't watched a minute of Hawkeye basketball. Well, probably you're, for yeah, the but last you're more you're more of a five football years. guy. You're more of a football guy. But it from memory, yeah, it doesn't seem like they go very far in the tournament. It's a hard tournament though. That's I think that's why it's so exciting in March, all the conference tournaments and all the uh and then the NCAA tournament starts. That's a hard tournament to win. There's a lot of teams there's 64 in it, or maybe there's more now with the play-ins. But then you think about all the conference tournaments, because anyone, if you win one of those, you get in. So there's a lot of teams. That's a large tournament, hard to win. And, and I feel like in college basketball, I actually do watch for a amount of college basketball. There's much more parity today, I feel like, than, than in the past. I don't know if that has to do with the transfer portal or NIL or what it is, but you know, we're always drawn to kind of that Cinderella team. Everybody likes a Cinderella story. We're all going to fill out brackets of some kind for your work, your friend pool or whatever. And someone's always picking the Cinderella because they think that's kind of the way to win. Uh, but, but what I found is there's actually a lot of parallels between investing and March Madness. If you think about how you prepare for that tournament. So one of the fun things we did today is we actually created, I'm going to give credit to Molly, she created our financial brackets where we take two different items or two different topics and we're going to pick which one wins and then we're going to pick what is our number one financial priority based upon our brackets. So let's kind of dig into this. I think this will be fun. I have no idea, Elias, what you wrote down there. You have no idea what I wrote down here. So let's just start for the first, uh, the first bracket. And the first bracket is... Would you rather have regular financial checkups or limit unexpected expenses? I I would rather limit unexpected expenses. I limited unexpected unexpected expenses as well. Um, you know, regular financial checkups they're great. Here's the problem with most checkups: nothing of significant happens. If you kind of figure out how to limit all of your unexpected expenses. It, you're probably able to handle your overall financial picture better. So in that, in the next, the next uh, two topics in that same bracket, avoid new debt or seek help from a professional. Easy one. Just get help with, from a professional. I, I want for help too. Let's keep moving down. Know how investments work or anticipate life changes. Anticipate life changes. I don't, I don't think retail investors need to tech, understand investments like on a technical level. I agree. I picked the anticipate changes and you're, you hit a key point there. They don't need to know technically how they work. They should be educated as to what different investments are. So what's an ETF? What's a mutual fund? What's a stock? What's a bond? What does large cap mean? But we don't need to go into the hoods and learn about all of the mechanics of how this functions. That's not that relevant, but they should be able to know the basic knowledge of of investing. But I think anticipate anticipating life change is much more meaningful for the the retail investor than understanding exactly how investments work. 
So the fourth matchup in this bracket, outline your financial values or spring clean your financial life. Uh, I wrote outline your values. I think that's something if you do and just consistently work at, then you're never going to need like a overhaul spring cleaning type situation. All right. We're on to the second bracket, which is the building wealth bracket. We're each four for four. We have exactly the same answer so far, Elias. So this will be fun wow. to see how this how this plays out. You know, it actually doesn't surprise me. And I think if you just think about like the core values that, that we have as a firm, this is kind yeah. of bringing those things to light, like what we believe in. So I'm actually not that surprised that we have the same answer. So we'll far. have at least one opposing answer. Well, I mean, and I'll be right. Probably what I'm just not even going to fight that. If you <laughs> want to be right, you can. Um, okay. The building wealth bracket, that first bracket was understanding your money. The next bracket is building wealth, build an emergency fund or define your savings goals. Emergency fund. I think it's probably the most boring aspect of financial planning, but most important, most overlooked. You have to have cash. I put defined goals. See, I told you I'd so be right. right. Okay, you can be right. <laughs> we'll see who's right in the end. Uh, next, The next matchup, calculate retirement needs or assess investment risk. Uh, I, I wrote down assessing risk. I wrote that down for a couple of reasons. One, I think there's a lot of people who – they take a lot of risk out of their portfolio too early in retirement or not in retirement, but like too early in life in their investing career. And then I also think that there are like products and some strategies out there that bring extra risk into a portfolio and retail investors don't really understand that. And I think it's unnecessary. That's a good answer. I actually picked calculate the retirement need. And, and I think the reason I did that is once we kind of know what somebody needs or wants for retirement, I can back into how much we need to save and how much risk we need to have. Because, so, so if you think about this, if I, if I had two individuals in front of me and they were 45 years old and I run a financial plan and it tells one individual, you need to be 90% stock to be successful, it, to hit your goal, even though your risk tolerance is no stock, and I educate that person, there's potentially a chance that they understand why they need to increase their risk. So inherently, I feel like I'm assessing their risk and where they need to be versus just asking somebody how they feel. So that's why I chose to calculate their retirement need. So this is interesting. We're on building wealth and we each have exactly opposite answers. <laughs> All right, so the lower part of this bracket, utilize employer-sponsored savings plans or start saving early. Yeah. So I said, start saving early. I did um, early too. Starting early can overcome a lot of obstacles over the long term, And the kind of one of the, the things we hear a lot. And one of the, I think myths of investing when people say things like, well, I put in 4% because that's what they match and they'll give me 4%. But why is that stopping you from doing more? So I, and if you start early, if you're 18 and you do a hundred bucks a month, start with that, that's going to be a lot of money someday. So starting early to me is one of the most important things. I said early as well, the, the reason I picked starting early is you're not guaranteed to have an employer plan. You'd be self-employed. And if you're waiting for an employer plan, you never get one. So that's I'm with also, you on starting yeah, early. That's a good point there too. Uh, and then the last one, pay yourself first or expand your retirement portfolio. 
Yeah, so expand your retirement portfolio. That just sounds fancy. And pay yourself first. Um, that's something I implemented a long time ago. So I think that's a very – to me, that that's the number one. Pay yourself first. Make it a priority. I'm with you. So that one won there. All right, I picked pay yourself first. So we, we had some diverging answers there. So let's move over to smart, smart spending bracket. Manage your transportation cost or use credit wisely. Uh, use credit wisely. So, and I think this means for the vast majority of people, I think this means having no debt. Um, you're most likely going to have a mortgage to buy a house. If you're a business owner, you're someone who needs to use debt at times, then use it wisely. Be responsible. Don't overextend yourself. So let me tell you why situation. I picked use credit wisely. Okay. I was like, yeah, man, transportation costs. And the first thing that came to my mind is the average car payment, $700 in America. Like we should manage that cost. But then I started thinking about it. If I pick credit wisely, that inherently says we should manage, we should manage our transportation cost. We shouldn't be taking out debt to buy vehicles and succumb to the $700 a month car payment. So I pick use credit wisely with you. Um, then the next one, and this is where this was actually a tough one for me, but but on the smart spending, cut food and entertainment cost or manage subscriptions and service. Okay, so I I actually I think managing your subscriptions and services. I think it's easy to let the little nickel and dime things add up. And personally, if I'm doing everything right financially, I'm not going to cut back on my food and my entertainment. Like that's an enjoyable lifestyle thing. So if you're saving the right amount of money, you're investing, you have an emergency fund. If you're doing everything right and you want to go out for a nice steak dinner, go enjoy yourself. Go crazy. I picked the same thing. And it, it all comes back to, I think the easiest thing to do, it's easier to manage your subscriptions than try to manage your lifestyle. Like if you yeah. think about it, like nobody wants to give up lifestyle, but Okay, good example. I just killed my Bloomberg subscription like last week. And I get on there and like, oh, you can't read this article unless you have a subscription. I'm like, well, I guess I won't read the article. Where before I was just paying $35 a month and I'd lightly read the article. Well, I went over to Google and put in the title of the article and I found seven other ones similar for free. And you still got the information. I still got the information yeah. I wanted. It just wasn't quite as convenient. And that's... You know, we've we've moved to this, hey, how convenient can we be society? And people are willing to pay for just maximum convenience. Uh, and that's where I see some of these subscriptions. The last matchups alliance in the smart spending category is have a spending plan or keep your housing affordable. I think owning an affordable home. And here here's what I mean by that. Being able to afford a house, meaning you can make the payment and have everything else you need in life. Um, and affording the house you're living in and buying the house that the bank says they'll finance for you, to me, are two different things. So that's why I, I wrote that. So I picked have a spending plan here, in partly because I, I'm in this philosophy of backing into things. If I have someone who tells me they have 10000 a month, well, it's pretty easy for, for me to tell you what an affordable housing is. It'd be 25% of the 10,000, so $2,500 a month. And now, now, right. and now we right, know. Right, but a lot of times you can get up to 40% of your 
at, you can get up to forty three percent actually. The debt to income ratio should be forty three. But what I'm lot. what I'm saying is, if I set up a spending plan, it doesn't have to be what the bank tells me I can have, because I agree with you. Most people can over borrow for a house. I mean, they'll be able to afford the house, but nothing else. But if we have a spending plan, client makes ten thousand dollars. We could allocate. $2,500 a month for housing. Well, what does that include? The house, the utilities, the things that make the house run. I can give somebody a number that I would consider affordable housing. Okay? I like that. Um, and then the last one, budget for holidays or live within your means. Uh, I, I wrote live within your means. And those two things, they kind of go hand in hand because you probably do need a budget for the holidays. But I just think in general, if you live within your means, you're going to you're going to be there. And we use at our house, we use a sinking fund for holiday expenses. So we just have a savings account that money goes in every week. And then at the holiday season, um, we know that we can just spend what's there to have a good time. All right. I'm with you. I put live within your means. The last bracket, protecting your wealth. And we're not going to go through all the matchups the rest of the way, but we're going to go through the last bracket. Protecting your wealth. Prepare a financial emergency kit or maintain adequate insurance. I think having adequate insurance. Me too. Avoid financial scams. Organize financial documents. Avoid scams. I put organize your documents. I think, I mean, avoiding scams in general is like... <laughs> We shouldn't really even have I don't to ever ask. want to get scammed. Yeah, so. I, nobody does. And nobody believes they're getting scammed until the scam's over. Uh, but here's why I put organized financial documents. I think about the dynamic in most families. In most families, you've got one person who's kind of like what I would call the financial driver. And they're in the driver's seat and they're paying the bills and keeping a beat on this stuff. And then you have someone in the passenger seat that could be involved. Backseat driver or could be completely uninvolved and doesn't say a word. But if we have all the documents organized and people know where to find them, it just becomes really, really easy. Uh, and then the last two, review your credit report or establish life insurance. This one I picked established life insurance. I mean, credit your credit report really is relevant if you need to borrow money. But life insurance for most people that are buying, you know, young people buying term life insurance, that's the self-completing portion of their financial plan. Something happens to me, how do I make sure my family's taken care of? How do I make sure that all my future retirement contributions are made? How do I make sure my family you know, isn't on the street and try to figure out how to make this work? Yep, I had life insurance there too for all those same reasons. And then the last one, have, a le have legal docs in place. That's your will, your POA, or check or update beneficiaries regularly. I would check my beneficiaries and make sure that they're correct on all of my accounts. And because any named beneficiary um, is going to supersede any document that you have if it's named on the account. So that that's to me, that's the most important thing. Um, and, and if they're there, you know, wills and all that stuff can get complicated with estate planning. And I don't know that that's actually suitable for a lot of families. All right. So let's skip forward. We're, we're not going to go to the quarterfinal matchups. Let's go to final four. Yeah. Your final four. Who's your final four, Eli? All right. Final four. I had use professional help, meaning hire a professional firm versus pay yourself first. And then I have on the other side, living within your means versus having life insurance. Okay. Mine's professional help, pay yourself first, spending plan, maintain insurance. 
So I actually, you know, yeah, I probably should have just carried the maintain, and, but I had scams over maintaining insurance. I don't know why I'm scared of scams, but apparently <laughs> I am. Well, the reason I picked maintain insurance is if I maintain insurance is similar to having life insurance. So I, I almost think that is like the same answer. Yeah. Um, all right. So who'd you have in your, in your, in your uh, championship bracket? Uh, paying yourself first, living within your means. I have paying yourself first, spending plan. So this is what's interesting. I consider a spending plan and living within your means probably pre pretty similar. Right. And, and if you look at both of our final four answers, it's a, it's a unique mix of paying ourselves and being fiscally responsible. Yeah. And, and I just went with to me, living within your means is the way I think about things. It's just simpler. And I don't I don't actively manage a budget. I know we're doing all the basic things correctly. Have an emergency fund. We're saving. So I don't I don't look at a spreadsheet like I don't get enjoyment out of analyzing every single penny. So I don't really do that. It just doesn't fit my lifestyle. But I've I've built a plan that works for me and we just consistently execute it. All right. So let's make this fun. I'm going to guess who won your championship and you have to guess who won mine. OK, what are my choices? My my choices are pay yourself first or having a spending plan. Pay yourself first. OK. What are your what are my choices for you? Pay yourself first or live within your means. Pay yourself first. Yep, that was my champion. Yeah, I think it's ironic that we both had that. I I was wondering going into this, and if you think about it, if we pay ourselves first, we've taken care of ourselves and everything else can fall into place, right? Pay yourself first, then let's get the spending plan. Yep. If we do the spending plan first, it goes back to that whole budget idea I've talked about before. If someone gives you a budget worksheet, the first line item is how much do you make? The second line item is how much is your mortgage? Yeah. How much is your car payment? And at the bottom, it says savings. And even like I use um, I use Dave Ramsey's uh, uh, Every Dollar website to just run like the rough outline of where my money's going. I don't track every dollar, but you know, I'm allocating to areas. And even on his, the first thing on there is how much is your mortgage? First mortgage, second mortgage. I wish they'd flip it around and put savings on the top line item because most people would be taken care of if they just took care of themselves first. If you went to work every week in the first, you know, let's just say the first four hours of every week, you took those that four hours of money and put it in your bank account versus everybody else's, we'd all be significantly better, better off financially. Yeah, and it's all, to me, it's kind of a paradigm shift in, in your thinking and although I don't, I don't probably agree with every like Robert Kiyosaki principle that he talks about, um, and how to build wealth, but he, there are some things I do agree on. And I read his book, rich dad, poor dad, like shortly after I graduated college and from reading that book, that's probably the one thing I actually implemented into, into my life, which, okay. I just said, I don't do budget back then I was doing a budget, but I had to figure out how to make, you know, first job, figure out how you're going to make everything work. And it changed the way I thought about my budget because I did. I actually, on the piece of paper, I tracked everything. I put my savings at the top. And it was challenging at first because you feel a sense of obligation to pay all your bills. I think it's just natural. You feel like a sense of debt. But then if you can 
keep kind of working towards that, eventually you get there. Now I know that's my number one priority. So here's the other thing is March Madness gets here and it's a fun time time of year, but it's ironic that for years the same coaches make it to the lead eight, the final four, and, and probably one of the most famed coaches of all time is Mike Shashevsky of Duke. And he's no longer coaching at Duke, but but what what the tournament brings to light is that coaching actually matters. And if you parallel this to the finance world, you can do this yourself or you can get a coach. And what is a coach? It's a financial advisor, most likely. And coaching matters. Like the better your coach, the better your outcome. We can see this. We're Hawkeye fans. We've had some great coaches. We've had some not so great coaches. I remember back to the Licklider years. We couldn't score 40 points with Coach Licklider. It was the worst basketball of all time. No disrespect to him, just coaching mattered. We didn't do a whole lot. Um, and it seems the teams that have those great coaches and a great game plan going into it have better success. Yes, the teams that have a good game plan manage the game. Um, you know, and there's a certain amount of conviction that a coach has to build in people to get them confident. And I think if you're thinking about a firm, and someone actually asked me the other day, if you were going to interview financial planning firms, what would you be looking for? And I gave some insight into just how they're structured. Is it one person? Do they have a team of people and all those type of things? But then also I talked a little bit about investment philosophy, which, okay, how many retail investors can actually define their investment philosophy? Probably very few. The ones that can probably just doing it for themselves. Um, but, but I think if you can find somewhere that has a philosophy that at minimum you can understand, and I think that's where we do a great job is what we're doing can get in the weeds and get complicated, but I think our clients, they understand the basic concept and philosophy of what we're trying to accomplish, which is why we're able to coach them through bad markets like last year. How many young people did we make the recommendation, just start saving more. And then they're like, hey, I up my 401k 2%, 3%. It's an easy change. It's gonna be meaningful in the long term, in the long run though. And I think that is big, the solution. I think what the biggest thing that you said there was conviction. I had a conversation with somebody last night about time in the market. They thought they could do it. I go, you understand if you rebuy at a 3% better rate long-term somewhere, it doesn't matter. But they're having this like 60 day point of view I go, well, you've got like 25 years. Why does the next 60 days matter? Yeah, you're right. But they called me to bounce it off me. They wanted to try to time the market. In fact, they used it. I want to try to time the market. And I said, you can. It's your money. I'll do what you want. I don't think it's wise. He, he asked me, what do you think the market's going to do the next 90 days? I said, I don't know. I no don't know. One, but here's why I know No one the next knows 10 the years. answer to that question. And I flipped it around. He's a business owner. And I said, do you believe American companies are going to get worse at making money? He goes, no, I think they're going to get better. I said, then you answer your question as to how you should be allocated. I love that question. I stole it from you. I, know. <laughs> I love ask, asking people that. Yeah. But, uh, well, and that, that's true. And I, I actually, I went to a presentation recently where it was an economist. Um, his name is Fritz Meyer and he was doing a presentation on a similar topic and it's like about conviction in the markets. And he showed a chart that went back to 1991. And if you look at, it's a chart graphing out earnings of companies in the S&P 500, the earnings consistently grow at five to 7%. So like there's, 
there's really never been, when has there been a time that companies started making less money? There might be short-term periods of time, like where they make less money because of different economic environment and things like that. But the, the companies here are very good at making money. And I, I, Warren Buffett just said it in his letter to the shareholders. he said something along the lines of, I've never seen a time in the past. I don't foresee a situation in the future where betting against America is a good idea. So, and if, I mean, to me, I'm like, okay, good enough for Warren Buffett, probably good enough for me. Elias, that's actually great insight. And I know you, you've kind of mentioned that Warren Buffett statement before. And I, that probably goes to the next thing where long range goals actually outweigh guessing. And I mentioned the market timing and that's literally guessing. I was asked, what do you think the market's going to do? And my answer is like, I don't know what it's doing in 90 days. And that is the honest answer. And if somebody tells you they know what it's going to do in 90 days, they don't. It's literally a flip of the coin. But if I know if we have long range goals and we're not guessing, we're using historical fact versus emotions, most people are going to accomplish where they want to go. They just need to keep the eye on the prize that it's not what happens in the next 60, 90, 120 days, even two years. It's what happens in the next 5, 10, 20. And it doesn't matter if you're a year away from retirement. If you're one year away from retirement, that's not the end game unless you're going to pass away the day you retire. If you're 64 and you're retiring at 65, arguably you're going to live on this money for the next 20 to 25 years. So that's your true time horizon. Now, that said, can you take the same risk with all of your money that you did while you were accumulating? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on what the financial plan does or says. But if you set up a spending strategy where you have some assets you can go grab when you need them that aren't subject to the fluctuations of the market, now you've got a long-range plan and you can become less reliant on whether the market went up or down. I mean, if you think about retirement income for people, the goal is to have a predictable, reliable stream of income and not one that relies on the stock market going up every single year. Because if that's your plan, it's a crappy plan. The stock market's not going to go up every single year. Yeah, you, you really need to implement some sort of distribution strategy. And I've talked with people a lot this year. That's how you survive bad bad years in bear markets. You don't survive a bear market by trying to guess and time the market and get in and out. That That's not how you do it. You do it by having financial plan, a distribution strategy. You know, we, we our firm, we call it the premier bucket strategy. It's very simple. You're just being very low risk with the money you're spending in the next several months or even the next two years. It's like a spectrum, right? As you, the further you go out, the more risk you can have, but it's not the same as accumulating. Um, you're not going to take on the same amount of risk. One thing I've learned from picking these brackets is that you should steer clear of emotional decisions. And that's the same with investing. When I fill my bracket out next week, I'm a Hawkeye fan. I'm probably not going to pick the Hawkeyes to get out of the second round. Cause you they never have do. them in the championship. If you were a true, true fan, that's an emotional decision. And I know <laughs> the likelihood of that is zero. That's Would it be fun if they got decision. there? Yeah. But if I get, if I went and just picked the smart picks, knowing that the Hawkeyes, I don't remember the last time we got out of the second round, we barely got out of the first round. So I'm definitely not picking that, but the emotional decision would be like, yep, Pick all, pick the Hawkeyes and pick all the underdogs. We all love a Cinderella. That will be fun to root for these teams. Long term, that's probably not going to work out. 
Uh, and it's the same thing with investing. You can't make the emotional decision today because long-term that probably won't work out. Does it mean it won't? Not necessarily. It just means the likelihood of a positive outcome is less. As I keep moving through this, Elias, I just talked about the Cinderella effect, and we all love the Cinderella effect. That's where you know some team that comes out of the blue, we have no idea that they were going to make it to the Final Four, and they do. In investing, those are called speculative stocks or speculative investments. Could they work out? Yes. So, you know, you go out there and Kathy Wood's Ark Fund, that's probably a Cinderella. Like, oh, it's a underdog. We think it's going to do great. Well, it's highly speculative. They could be out in the first round. And if you bet your whole retirement or your whole financial future on the Cinderella, you could be in pretty tough shape. You can. Um when you fill these brackets out, if your team's out in the first round, it's over. Like you, you're not going to recover from that. It's the same way investing. If you if you lose all of your money the first day you invest because you bought a speculative company, or you put all of your money in one stock, it might not even have been speculative. Think about Enron. Oh yeah, we have all of our money in one stock because our employer gave it to us. We don't think they're going anywhere. Like just some level of diversification and not counting on one kind of one asset class to do all the work for you. Right. And the, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of, I, well, I'm not sure. I know there's people that were caught up in speculation, certainly in, uh, in 2021 going into 2022 when the bear market started and, you know, there almost kind of became this you know, the stock market, the, the speculation in the casino aspect, which I want people to understand the stock market is not a casino. There is speculative aspects to it, but you should really just steer clear of the speculation and the gambling in it. Um, you know, someone was asking me at people ask all the time about different stocks. Well, what do you think about this company or what do you think about that company? But it's not really, it's not really relevant. And then just the other day I got this, the, the tried and true. Well, what if I just put a thousand dollars and, and I, I love that question because I, I ask people all the time, if you put a thousand dollars into something and it goes up 10 times, you now have $10,000. Didn't change your life. Is your life different? Like if you're, you know, if you're going to, if you really want to put on a, a big trade and try to hit a home run, then put on a big trade. Try to take a hundred thousand, turn it into a million. But you're gonna have to be more convicted in something than I'm willing to do a thousand dollars in it. Like that doesn't make when you really think about it, that doesn't make sense. Okay, that brings me back. This is the greatest example. Put your money where your mouth is. So two years ago, not this year, but the year before, Iowa State had what was expected to be a championship football team. They were expected to be phenomenal. I don't remember that, but okay. They were highly ranked going into the year. And my father-in-law comes over to my house and he goes, hey, he goes, I have a prediction. <laughs> so, you know, got my attention. The Cyclones are going to run the table and be in the college football playoffs. Okay. I said, well, how confident? He's like, I'm confident. So I pulled up the MGM app and the over-under for the Cyclones was nine wins. I'm like, well, if you actually believe that, 
you should go bet like five hundred or a thousand dollars because they're only projecting nine wins. Like if you think they're going to run the table, you should take this. The odds are pretty good. Guess what he didn't do? That. Well, I'm not going to do that. So you don't really believe in what you're telling me. <laughs> and guess what happened? They had a horrible. Se- I mean, not horrible. I think they had like seven wins or eight wins, but they didn't even hit they, the over under. They play in the champ, the Big Twelve championship that year, didn't they? Play in it in the last maybe, couple but years? they didn't have nine wins and they didn't make the college. They didn't run the table. I, I know, I know they were not in the play. I just said, but it's the point is the same with your friend. Hey, oh, I'm gonna do a thousand. No, put your money where your mouth is. If you really think this is gonna pay off, if you believe it, people don't believe it. They want to hope. They're hoping it works out. It's not that they have convicted belief that this will happen. Like, man, maybe I can just grab a lottery ticket and this will work out for me. Yeah. And if the reason it's called a lottery ticket, yeah, the odds aren't high. And if the conviction for making the trade or the purchase is um, someone I know told me, someone I hang out with said to me, okay, red flag, how do they know that? They don't. Well, but they, but but yeah, well, but they were saying, I can say a lot of things too. <laughs> Is it gonna happen? Yeah. Well, Elias, I don't I don't know about you, but I will be watching the tournament brackets. My parents have a big party the first two days of the tournament every year, so I'm gonna go over there on Friday and uh, watch a few games before St. Patrick's Day festivities start with my family. But with that said, I hope everybody enjoys the tournament. If you if you're looking for any help, you can go to btwellshow.com. Eli, I want to thank you for being on the show. And do you have any kind of closing remarks? Thanks for having me on the show. And uh, hopefully it's a fun March Madness tournament for everyone. I want to thank everybody for listening. BTWellShow.com. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional. 